Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of In Session. I am here with senior reporter for the Frederick News Post, Danielle E. Gaines. How are you, Danielle? Hi, Colin. I'm good. Nice to be here. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. I am in the windowless uh, radio studio at the State House today. Is this new? This is a new spot for me, yeah. There were no um, radio journalists using it at the moment, so here I am. Perfect. This is so good. We're breaking ground in so many ways today that people will never know about. My like last-ditch place that we will record if there's not something else available someday is this old, old telephone booth. And so I kind of really want to do it, but... <laughs> We have to do that. <laughs> we have to do that. That's going to be the very last one. Sure. Yeah. It's a little tight in there. I tried to do it today, get my computer and everything, but um, we'll do it someday. That's so good. I'm, I'm excited for that. Okay. So uh, I want to start this week with, again, I say it every week, the most readable thing in the Frederick News Post, your political notes column. Thank you. Uh, that, that came out this morning. For those who haven't read it yet, go to fredericknewspost.com. Uh, or just pick up a newspaper. How about that? That's kind of, that's novel. Um, the headline, though, is interesting. Across Maryland, Trump has a higher approval rating than Congress. Can you talk a little bit about this? Well, that's correct. Uh, I will note that neither of them has a particularly <laughs> high approval rating um, <laughs> in true. Maryland, which, as we all know, is a fairly deep blue state. So, um, President Donald Trump does have an approval rating of 29% among all adults, according to a new poll that came out this week from the, the um, Goucher College. And and Congress has a 21% approval rating, which is actually their highest in several years. Uh, what's, the, what's the response to this in Annapolis? Do, have you gauged that? Uh, there's been some response. Um, it hasn't, you know, I don't think many people were surprised by it, to be honest with you. Um, so it did show, you know, obviously uh, Republicans tend to favor Donald Trump more than Democrats, and that's not really surprising. Um, only 22% of registered Republicans reached through the poll disapproved of the president's performance. So if anything, so that good. might give the Republican some of the Republican minority members here who are being pressured to speak out against various Donald Trump policies that might give them more room to say, I don't need to speak out against his policies because, you know, a huge portion, 78% of my constituents agree with him. So you think that, so then in return, and I guess this means this kind of helps the Republican Party. I'm just saying that it could, potentially, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. That, that's a good. Uh, that's a good spin on it. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> it's so smart, Danielle. That, <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, thanks. That's so, well, yeah. That's so. I mean, what is it? Why? Why do you think everybody hates Congress? <laughs> well, I, I think in you know across the country, Congress has a little low approval rating, and that's because you know they fail to act on so many things. They fail to pass so many bills. We haven't had a national budget in years now. If you think about that, that's mm -hmm. you know kind of crazy. When you come to Annapolis, that's the one and only thing that you are obligated to do in these ninety days is to pass a budget bill. And at the federal level, we haven't done that in several years. So nationwide, that's why you see a low approval rating for Congress in part. And I think in Maryland in particular, um, 
some of that, uh, let's see, lack of action is also attributed to, um, you know, Republican stubbornness. So you're obviously going to have Democrats being unhappy with that. Yeah, well, that makes sense. So I, I'm, I personally, I am, I, I am surprised to see that Donald Trump rates higher in approval rating with anything. So he said, this must be a good day for Donald Trump. I think we can say that because a lot, I know a lot of people who are angry. But we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that because we're not supposed to. We are journalists, right? We're journalists. Yeah, I oh. am. <laughs> I just <laughs> um, bleep what the, the, the second part of your uh, political notes column today. I, I like this a lot. Um, <laughs> there's millions of dollars we're losing right now because of some bleep. Pardon okay. my French sat on his bleep. <laughs> you want to talk about this? Okay. a little? Yes. So um, this week we were revisited by some comments that Senate President Mike Miller made earlier this month when he was talking about um, the federal government's decision to withhold money from the state of Maryland as the result of the fact that the state, Virginia, and the District of Columbia have not come together on identical legislation that would create an oversight board for the metro system. Um, we missed mm -hmm. a federal deadline on that, and as a result, the uh, Federal Transit Administration has withheld a portion of the state's uh, federal transportation funding for the year. Um, there's a chance, you know, when all three jurisdictions pass an oversight bill and then some other steps that all of that money will end up coming back. But um, the Senate president was, needless to say, not happy about the fact that they were now having to kind of treat legislation in an emergency way in order to try to get that money back. Um, mm -hmm. So this week at the Board of Public Works meeting, um, Governor Hogan, who's the chairman of that panel, um, was was talking about those comments and what he was really talking about was his bill that we've talked about before the legislative yeah. transparency act <laughs> which yeah would, i was gonna bring this up which people to, to sort of broadcast right yeah so it would live stream video of the floor sessions of the house and the senate and um he's really pushing for this most other states have this we are definitely in the minority at this point and um the governor was saying you know if it's comments like that, if it's stuff like that happening on the floor, then I'm perfectly open to amending my bill so that we could include, include you know, censorship and we could bleep language. We could have a seven second delay or a parental advisory warning. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, and this was all in jest. It, was, it wasn't good fun, but um, it certainly got a laugh out of the crowd that's on hand for that meeting. Well, we need a, d a delay on this podcast. We need a seven-second delay. No, we're not going to curse, Colin. No, we're my not going to. Are you sure? My mother listens to this, oh. Colin. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, then shout out to Danielle's mom. Yes. Shout out. Uh, we hope you're enjoying this week's episode thus far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you and the other four people who listen. Uh, immigration. Immigration yes. enforcement. We're, I want to move to this now because this took a local turn this week. I'll, I'll just read the top of the story that we had in the paper written by you, of course. <laughs> uh, the concerns of Maryland's immigrant communities were aired Tuesday evening in hearings for two Senate bills reflecting opposite views on the roles state and county lawmakers should play in federal immigration 
enforcement. So now that this has kind of taken a local slant, can you tell us a little bit about what happened Tuesday? Sure. So one of the, um, there were basically two bills considered by the Senate Judicial Proceedings uh, Committee on Tuesday evening. And one of them was from Senator Michael Huff from Frederick County, and the other was from Senator um, Victor Ramirez from Prince George's County. And Senator Huff's bill would require state or local correctional facilities to notify the Department of Homeland Security 72 hours in advance of a person's release if they knew that that person has um, an immigration detainer. And that bill would also allow correctional facilities to then hold somebody for an extra 48 hours if they know that DHS is interested in coming and picking them up. Um, Senator Ramirez's bill was really, frankly, quite the opposite. Um, it's the it's called the Maryland and in Maryland <laughs> Law Enforcement and Governmental Trust Act, and it kind of aims to spell out explicitly that local governments would not take part in federal immigration enforcement. It takes some ideas from sanctuary community policies, and it would. Um, you know, try to, throughout the state, limit immigration enforcement at certain places like public schools, hospitals, courthouses, that sort of thing. Now, Sheriff Chuck Jenkins here, the Frederick County Sheriff, uh, he testified in favor of, of Michael Huff's bill. This is uh, from the statement. This was in your story. Quote, this is very simple common, this is very simple common sense bill. This very simple common sense bill will vastly reduce, if not eliminate, the risk to any Marylander being the victim of a violent crime or any fatal or serious vehicle crash by a convicted criminal alien who should not be walking our streets. Did you get a chance to talk to the sheriff? Well, so a lot of the testimony, first off, yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and so a lot of the testimony really centered around the, um, the Frederick County Sheriff and the policies that we have in place at our jail. And our policies are in place, you know, not through this bill, obviously, but through various um, agreements we have with the federal government. And Frederick County is one of the um, communities that takes part in the federal 287G program. And um, we uh, in Frederick County do collaborate with the Department of Homeland Security. We have an immigration agent who works out of the Frederick County Sheriff's Office. And so a lot of the testimony mm -hmm. centered around you know, who would get caught up in this detainer policy if, you know, we were going to mm -hmm. have local governments collaborate with the federal government in terms of essentially deporting people or putting people into deportation proceedings, um, you know, what kind of what kinds of laws would these people be breaking in the first place? And it was really coming out that in the past, you know, um, the Obama administration had a list of priority crimes where they would collaborate on this sort of thing. And those crimes were mm -hmm. kind of the most serious crimes, um, you know, serious offenses. And the uh, Trump administration has, you know, just in the last couple of days, um, made statements that, you know, this type of enforcement would trickle down for all sorts of things. And it would include, you know, uh, people convicted of very serious crimes like murder and assault, but it also would apply to somebody who has a detainer for illegal entry or overstaying a visa potentially. So where are we now with it? Uh, where do we think this is all going to go uh, moving forward? There's this powerful quote that you have in your story uh, from Dolores Kelly, an 80-year-old black woman from Baltimore County, 
Democratic senator. Uh, I am frightened, given what I have lived through in the past, about what might happen in the future. What we are talking about now is not implausible at all. Uh, where, where do we go from here? Sure. So she is, um, you know, co-sponsor on Senator Ramirez's bill, as is actually Frederick County Senator Ron Young. And um, it, it seems like the majority of the committee was leaning towards Senator Ramirez's bill, which would provide some level of protection. Um, but certainly there were some things about the bill that not everyone uh, agreed with. There were some things in the bill that talk about, you know, the state not collaborating with the federal government in terms of a database of individuals based on race, culture, or religion. And some people are just saying, you know, the Muslim registry is something that people talk about, but it's not a real mm -hmm. thing. It's not an actual policy, and we shouldn't be legislating against hypotheticals. So it seems like his bill will be amended, um, possibly to mm -hmm. a significant extent, um, but it does seem like a majority of the committee was leaning that way rather than leaning towards Huff's legislation. Uh -huh. And when will we know when, uh, when might this be coming to a head? Might um, it take weeks? I spoke with Senator Ramirez earlier today, and he said that he expects his bill to get voted on the next couple of weeks. Senator Hoff said he didn't know when his bill might get voted on. Voting sessions of committees in the General Assembly are not streamed on the Internet, and um, oh. the list of bills that are going to be voted on are not available on the Internet. So you kind of have to, to be here, be in the committee office, be in the committee room to figure out when these things are coming up for a vote. But it'll be a little bit. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that. We will keep an eye on that. And from there, we will move on to somebody we talked about at length last week, I believe, Senator Ron Young. Um, he was angry, right? When we last left yes, Ron Young, yes. he was pretty angry. Well, we were talking about the stolen bill issue, yes. Yes, the stolen, stolen Which bill issue. Which did not issue, involve our delegation. <laughs> yes, he w he was, but he was in that. We had the audio last week. We don't have any audio this week, correct? We no, don't have any no. Audio? Okay, but he asked his, uh, his Senate colleagues, and by the way, this is also something we've talked about uh, in past episodes too, uh, the student member voting bill. Um, he asked his colleagues on Wednesday to support a bill to extend limited voting rights to the Frederick County Board of Education student member. Um, he is sponsoring the measure which the county's General Assembly delegation voted 5-3 this month to not support. Uh, can you talk a little about what happened with this this week? Sure. So, I mean, this was like, you know, a short, sweet, quick uh, bill hearing. It was three minutes. Uh, Senator Young was the only person who testified. Um, <laughs> there were letters written in support of the bill from the uh, Frederick County School Board, and uh, they were meeting at the same time, which is why nobody was present. This is a bill that would give a limited set of voting rights to the Frederick County School Board member, and it's opposed by Senator Huff and Delegate Kathy Afzali and the rest of the um, Republican members of the County General Assembly delegation. And um, it was voted down in the delegation, and in an, a somewhat unusual move, uh, Senator Young went ahead and introduced that on his own. And this was the bill hearing. Um, it was short, mostly because this is probably not going to get passed. But with a Democratic uh, majority in the state legislature, you really just kind of never know. You said it was unique. Can you explain why? So in Annapolis, there's this concept of 
quote-unquote local courtesy. So local courtesy. Uh, who has courtesy? Nobody has courtesy these days. Oh, Children? Ex- in, uh, in Annapolis, it's ex- so extremely courteous. Um, but um, the concept is basically that issues of local significance should be decided by local lawmakers. So if your delegation votes on a bill, um, and typically when you're having this discussion, it's about a delegation supporting something. So if a delegation voted in favor of you know, a liquor bill, then even if you know the senator from dorchester county doesn't agree with um whatever your liquor bill is if it got passed by a majority of your delegation it's granted local courtesy and it's passed out of committee and generally passed on the floor um in this particular Mm -hmm. case uh the local courtesy would be to vote against the bill but Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the majority against the bill in this case are Republicans. The majority, the supermajority in Annapolis are, are Democrats. So it's unclear whether or not this might actually move forward. On some level, then, him doing this, Senator Ron Young, was it, w- would it be fair to describe it as a waste of time? Well, I would <laughs> say it's, it's, it's kind of a, a test of tradition. So... You uh-huh. will be able to see, depending on what happens here, um, you know, how far that tradition of local courtesy goes. I will say this happened last year as well with um, bills related to the downtown hotel and conference center. And oh, in that okay. case, um, those bills did die in committee. And in, you know, one of the committees, um, a Democratic senator even said to Senator Young, you know, I've been through this before with my delegation with my community and when we disagreed on things we were told to go home and work it out and come back so Mm -hmm. um that may be just what happens this year on this and some other measures the ethics bills as well kind of face this same conundrum oh that was so good that was so good because that's the transition danielle that's the transition (laughs) uh we want to talk about this something we you know if there's one theme throughout this session in these podcasts hello danielle's mom um it would be ethics yeah so uh dueling frederick county ethics bills get airing in senate committee uh the very first sentence i'm gonna let you go after this because i think you probably have a lot to say frederick county state senators made their pitches on thursday for competing ethics reform bills at a senate committee hearing what were their pitches danielle Well, uh, so the shortest, quickest version of this is that the Democratic members of the Frederick County delegation are supporting a narrow change to the county ethics law that is supported by County Executive Jan Gardner. As you know, she was also a Democrat. Republican members Mm -hmm. of the delegation say that that bill doesn't actually go very far in terms of reforming ethics, and they support a different, much more broad version that was drawn up by Senator Huff. the dilemma here is that um, there are potentially some legal questions with um, Senator Huff's bill. There's some language that needs to be cleaned up to make sure it you know, isn't overbroad, couldn't be challenged in a court of law. And there are also some implementation issues. There's kind of an output of money on the county's behalf and um, maybe some fairness issues, which he was trying to solve with his bill. Um, the county executive's proposal would essentially extend uh, prohibitions from developer developers um, in terms of campaign funding towards candidates. It would extend that prohibition to planning commission members who are also running for elected office. 
So that is because planning commission members get to vote on those same applications before they come to the county council. It's a prohibition that already applies to the county council and the county executive. It would kind of mm-hmm. wrap up one additional person who might be able to be influenced by campaign finance donations to vote a certain way. Um, but the delegation felt that, it, you know, targeting that to one specific type of application pending before two different county bodies instead of looking at all of the different types of applications that could be pending before any number of county bodies that would involve other industries not just the building industry was a better way to go Mm -hmm. Um, and so now we're in this discussion of what's too narrow and what's too broad Well, Jan Gardner, uh, the quotes at the end of your story, quote, it is a bad bill. It was written in secret. I still believe it was all politics and the intent was always to kill the county ethics bill. Um, And Michael Huff echoed a similar sentiment the opposite way. I don't think it's good at all. He said as soon as that other bill went in, it was basically a poison pill against ours. So are we at a stalemate? More or less. I mean, having two different pending ethics bills... Um, really puts the committee in a tough position. I mean, these are committee members from Montgomery County, Baltimore City. They have, you know, not uh, the same, you know, full idea of what the current Frederick County ethics laws are and, you know, what any, you know, past grievances might have been or just what our local politics are and, you know, who the local players are. So they're not really going to be, like, willing to wade into this debate necessarily to figure out which is the better proposal. They're just going to, you know, potentially say, this is too messy, go home and work it out. <laughs> so do you think nothing, I mean, as it, as it looks, I mean, there there's no resolution this session, do you believe? That, I mean, that's not really what I think. That's what the lawmakers think. I think, you know, I've talked you to... You think something will get done, though? No, I've talked to Republicans and Democrats in the delegation, and they both think that having two different bills pending pretty much guarantees that neither one of them will pass. But this is Annapolis, so, so like, anything can happen. So I never <laughs> say anything is definite. You know, there are all of these deadlines yeah. that I write about, and I always say the traditional deadline for, because... You know, if there's a will, there's a way. So it doesn't matter if you're way past deadline. You know, if you've got the right support, these things are going to go through. So just like this podcast, when there's a will, there's a way. That's true. We can agree on that. (laughs) Uh, So then uh, lastly on that, what what happens next then? Where where do we go from here? Well, Uh, at this point, more and more kind of back and forth stuff we just sit and wait and see if those bills get a vote in their committees um so the Mm. traditional deadline to know whether or not a bill is going to pass out of uh committee in time to get to the other chamber so it could pass before the end of the session is march 20th so up until march 20th i'll be looking at uh that's called crossover day down here and i'll be looking at whether or not those bills get voted out of committee well, that's less than a month away. I think we have what three podcasts between now and then. Yeah. So, so we'll we'll see. And then finally, <clears throat> finally this week, you shot me a text a few hours ago talking about dissection with a frog which emoji. Very, with the frog emoji, <laughs> which I don't know how to find. I you know I get emojis all the time, and I have no idea how to actually send them back. So somebody needs to teach me that because I feel bad. Uh, Dissection. 
Would yes. you like to go on and, and say that they're, they're going to dissect animals now or they're not going to dissect animals? What happened? So this came up on the Senate floor today, actually, and this is in response to a bill from Senator Young, which basically creates a state. I mean, it's a bill that um, would pass statewide and require each district in the state to create a written policy on dissection that would allow students to object and opt into a different type of instruction um, if, you know, live or dead animals are being dissected in their courses. Um, there are a lot of kind so of... You can, ob- you can object now. You can say, I don't want to do this? Well, this bill would this bill would require each district to write a policy on objection. And so... Um, there are a lot of reasons a person, a, a child, might object to uh, dissection. For one, it could, you know, go counter to their religion. Um, and mm. so this has been something that people have really advocated for for a number of years. And uh, in many cases, if a student has, uh, say, a religious objection to dissection um, and there is no policy that allows them to do other coursework instead, they can actually be harmed in terms of their grade. So um, this oh, is... wow. But it attracted quite a debate on the Senate floor this morning. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what were some of the more colorful, the more colorful things said on the floor? Sure. So, Senator, <laughs> <laughs> well, so Senator J.B. Jennings, he said, you know, why are we doing this bill? Why do we need this bill? Um, you know, in gym class, I hated to run. So, what happens when I come to you and say, you know, I don't like running anymore? Are you going to come up with a bill That's to fair. do that, or where are we going to stop That's this? That's fair. And, um, Senator Young kind of shot back and said, you know, I think cutting up animals is a little different than running, you know, if they were cutting you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, fair, too. Yeah, it was really just heating up when they actually decided to delay the debate until another day. So womp womp. Oh, so there, there's no uh, there's no conclusion to that. <laughs> no conclusion as of yet. I will revisit womp it next womp. week. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Two weeks of dissecting frogs. Uh, and speaking of next week, what do we have on tap? Yeah, I have some uh, stories coming out this weekend. One of them is about um, a n- bill relating to the prescription of naloxone. That's the um, heroin overdose reversal drug. Um, and there are going to be new polling numbers coming out on Monday. That's going to be something that I'm working Ooh. out working on this weekend as well. Polling numbers. Yes. Then we're going to see what the governor's approval rating is, among a number of other kind of state metrics. Uh And next week, very fun, very important topic for people in Frederick County is that there are going to be a series of hearings on redistricting redistricting reform, federal redistricting reform. So I'll definitely be covering those. Uh Uh Redistricting is always fun to talk about. Yes. Gerrymander. That's your favorite word, isn't it? Yes, that is my favorite (laughs) word. I'm so I was just going to use it. Colin, I teach you so much. (laughs) You do. You really do. And you also um, it should be noted if um, Danielle's Twitter feed is to be believed. uh, We are living on a prayer because we are halfway there. We're halfway Uh, there as of today. So we're Today marks the exact halfway point. Is Today that is day 45. That's correct. Oh, man. Overall, you've been there 45 days. Uh, how's it going? Just as an overall blanket statement, has it been a good session? Has it been an interesting one? Oh, I think it's I think it's been good and interesting. It is it's been, you know, kind of an interesting session. It took a little bit to kind of 
take off and get going at full speed, but it seems like we're there. All right. Oh, living on a prayer. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, didn't didn't work. Um, Senior reporter for the Frederick News Post, Danielle E. Gaines, would you like to tell people how they can follow you on Twitter and all of those things? Oh, absolutely. So I, I love to live tweet various things going on here in Annapolis, and I tweet photos anytime, you know, there's like a dog in a hearing room. And I'm there. And ice cream. And ice cream, yes. <laughs> so that was the best thing I ate in Annapolis this week, Colin. I had ice cream for lunch <laughs> yesterday with all my pals. Um, it looked amazing. It really you. did. <laughs> so uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Danielle E. Gaines. At, oh, at Danielle E. Gaines. Yes. Uh-huh. Make sure you get that right, everybody. Because it's yes. not Danielle Gaines. It's Danielle E. Gaines. Yes. Thank you so much. We will talk to you next week, Danielle, and have safe travels. All right. Thank you, Colin. In Session is produced by Graham Cullen and Chris Sands. A special thanks goes to Kelsey Luce for composing our theme. Be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you can stay current with all the developments in Annapolis this session. Join us next week when we'll discuss the week that was in the General Assembly.
In Session is produced by Graham Cullen and Chris Sands. A special thanks goes to Kelsey Luce for composing our theme. Now be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you can stay current with all the developments in Annapolis this session. Join us next week when we'll discuss the week that was in the General Assembly.